0: from there? And if I can increase the volume of this. this one so we don't get feedback okay let's try to make this work okay good morning sorry for all the the tragedy Students were here on campus. (laughs) After 90 million dollars, we are still with the same program. So, we are gonna uh, continue with our physiology. Um, I uploaded like 15 20 minutes ago a quiz, a practice quiz. It is like 25 questions that include physiology of the autonomic nervous system and endocrine systems. Okay, please, take these questions as a study tool, preparation tool, okay? Do the effort of trying to answer them by yourselves, okay? You can do as many attempts as you want. This is open forever. You are gonna see a grade that is the average of all the attempts, but that grade doesn't count at all. Okay, against your score at the end. And I don't even look at that. I don't have time to be looking at the grades of each student unless they ask me to, to look at something. Okay, so don't be concerned about these quizzes at all. This is for you to study. Okay, I've seen, uh, for example, uh, when I was looking at the results of the exam, okay, some students that didn't do well, and I went in some cases to the, the quiz, and there were cases that did only one attempt that got 100. How's that possible, okay? Because that, w- that quiz wasn't very easy, okay? That means that at least what I interpret is uh, simply waited for someone else or looked for the answers, etc. and instead of using the quiz as a study tool and preparation tool, okay, simply as a performance tool. Okay, I'm not expecting anyone to perform. I need you to study and do the effort. Okay, because what you're learning here is not something that is gonna be used to show off to anyone, it's your work tool for the future. Okay, it's the foundation of everything else that is coming uh, in the the future. Okay, so take these, the questions in this new quiz are hard, you're gonna find very hard questions there but they are a lot harder than the ones that you're gonna have in the real quiz and in the real test. Okay, this is preparation. Like when you prepare for any competition, that you go to conditions that are harder than the, than the real ones, okay? Exactly the same. Okay, and remember, it's the effort that you do in trying to answer what really works. Okay, it's not looking for the answer somewhere, doesn't help at all. Doing the, even if you answer everything wrong, Even if you do 10 attempts, and in the 10 attempts you get zero, that's working, okay? That's making your neurons work and create connections, and that's going to help, okay? So let's go. We are trying to cover today the introduction to the endocrine system. This is not endocrinology. Uh, This is simply talking about the control systems from the endocrine point of view, so it's a short presentation, and um, I was planning to start the, the sensory systems as well, but it looks like uh, we plan, and there are some, some other plans that prevail, but everything is very reasonable. We are not in a rush. Uh, we don't pretend to teach all the physiology during the summer. It's impossible. So what we are trying to give is a foundation, is an introduction to the physiologic systems. So when we start the pathophysiology in the fall, OK, you have a good foundation. And if there is some, something missing from the physiology, we are going to have it during the pathophysiology session. Okay, so let's start with the, uh, recognizing how the nervous system and the endocrine system work together, and if there are two systems that you must study very, very well. Those are the autonomic nervous system and the endocrine system. What about cardiovascular? Yes, of course, but if you don't know the autonomic and the endocrine, it's impossible to study cardiovascular system. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Is that working? I'm looking at them, trying to to understand what's going on. This is supposed to, to be sharing. Oh. Mm-hmm. i right. <laughs> Okay, let's, uh, st- anyway, you have it on your computers, okay, so. It's just, we are gonna be missing a little bit there. So, let's try to understand, first of all, the differences between the uh, nervous system and the endocrine system, okay, how they work together, how they collaborate just as a reminder the endocrine system is comprised of several glands that are uh, recognized as endocrine glands okay there is a set of glands that forms what is called the hypothalamus pituitary axis that is connected to the thyroid it's connected connected to the adrenals and it's connected connected to the gonads okay we are going to be studying this axis in the future. They are called the hypothalamus pituitary thyroid, hypothalamus pituitary adrenal, and hypothalamus pituitary gonadal axis. And they work in a similar way. Then we have other sets of glands that participate in the regulation of different humoral components of the the fluids, body fluids, and these regulate, for example, calcium. Uh, levels. This regulates phosphate levels. They regulate insulin levels, uh, glucose levels. Okay, so there are some dedicated glands okay, that are endocrine glands. And there are other tissues in the body that are capable of producing hormones. And I think that with the exception of the red blood cells, okay, and with the exception no, those are not an exception. Okay, right now, I only remember as an exception that red blood cells are the only cells that don't produce hormones in the body. So every cell in the body, okay, with the exception of the red blood cells, maybe I remember some others uh, in the future, are capable of producing hormones. Even, for example, uh, let me give you the example of the lymphocytes. The lymphocytes need testosterone to perform their action. I think I mentioned this uh, before. If someone has the testis removed, so there is low levels of testosterone, they they are going to start making the testosterone they need to perform their action. Okay, so we have to see how all the organs, all the tissues of the body work together to regulate different functions. Now, hormones are chemical mediators that will circulate in the blood and bind okay, to receptors that are in different organs. Some organs, target organs, have specific receptors for that hormone. So the same chemical may be classified, for example, as a neurotransmitter or as a hormone, depending on where it is traveling. Okay? If a chemical is traveling from one cell to the neighboring cell, it's going to be called a paracrine because it's acting in the neighborhood. However, the same chemical may be called a neurotransmitter if it is released in a synapses, or may be called a hormone if it's released into the blood and to target distant organs. And what they do when they reach the target organs? Well, some of these hormones will bind to receptors on the membrane and will activate a second messenger, and that second messenger is gonna go into the nucleus to activate genes for transcription and then translation and producing different things. And some other hormones will directly enter inside the cells and will directly bind to receptors in the nucleus or receptors in the cytoplasm and do the same, okay? Change the metabolic uh, actions of that uh, target cell. Okay, so there is a very close coordination and collaboration between the endocrine system and the nervous system. Okay, here we have a diagram that compares the actions. Okay, on top we have a neuron. Okay, remember the action potential, the release of the neurotransmitters that will target different effectors. Can be muscles, can be other neurons, can be glands. Okay, here I have to try to represent exocrine and endocrine gland. You see the, sorry, the exocrine gland to the right. You see this little that represents a dot. I don't know if I, <laughs> I got this uh, message clear. Okay. Endocrine and exocrine glands are the effectors of the nervous system. Okay. This is a neurotransmitter that will bind to receptors on the effectors and immediately will be either degraded or will be reoptaken. So the action is very fast. Okay. This, there is an electrical impulse, milliseconds, a neurotransmitter, action and removal of the neurotransmitter. So they are very rapid responses, okay, but very limited action, okay? The action of the nervous nervous system uh, will stop immediately after the stimulus ends, okay? Localized, specific response, rapid, and will stop immediately. In comparison, the endocrine system, okay, will produce a more widespread response, Hormones are gonna be released into the circulation, and we give you the example of the thyroid gland. Releases thyroid hormone, and this distributes all over the body, and will target almost every cell in the body to stimulate, or to try to stimulate, the metabolic activity of those cells. Now, we are gonna see in the future that every tissue will decide, okay? It's not just that thyroid hormone is out there the cells will take the thyroid hormone and will decide if they are gonna activate the thyroid hormone or not, depending on the metabolic needs of the specific cells. So the responses, endocrine responses are widespread, are slower, it takes time for all this to happen, the seconds, minutes, hours, and this may continue after the stimulus ends. Okay, so the gland is not producing any more hormone, but the hormone may be still acting and doing different actions. Notice that here we are representing the hormone traveling in the blood, distant organs binding to specific receptors. Okay, and the action will be the same. Okay, transcription of some genes, translation, production of some proteins, maybe cell division, maybe different things depending on the hormone. And here we have a description of the classification of hormones depending on their chemical structure, chemical characteristics. And it's important to know the differences. And also, about some specific hormones, we need to know what specific amino acid is necessary okay, to synthesize that hormone. Because any kind of deficiency of these amino acids in the diet or any kind of genetic disease that affects the metabolism of those amino acids may lead to deficiencies of these hormones, or neurotransmitters in some cases. The okay, hormones can be uh, classified as amines, peptides, proteins, or steroid hormones. Okay, notice the amines. Uh, this is a bit small here. Okay, These are amino acids that are modified Okay, and the example is norepinephrine, epinephrine, okay, these are catecholamines. Then we have the peptides, we have a a short chain of amino acids, and the example they give here is oxytocin. Then we have proteins, which are large proteins that have thousands of amino acids and sometimes several subunits. Okay, the example that they give here is growth hormone, but we can mention insulin, there are many. Uh, proteins uh, in the hormones, and steroids are made from cholesterol, okay, and the examples are testosterone, progesterone, and any other hormone that is producing the adrenal cortex and producing the gonads, and notice that uh, most cases the name of the hormone will contain the word steroid somewhere in the name, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, aldosterone, Notice that the name steron is inside the the name of the hormone. So those are steroids, the rest are proteins. Now, why we need to know the difference between these uh, chemical compositions? Because the mechanism of action is going to be different depending on if they are proteic in nature or they are lipids. Okay, this is representing the mechanism of action of the lipophilic hormones. If they say lipophilic, we have to understand that they are hydrophobic. Okay? They dissolve in fat and don't dissolve in water very easily. Okay? This could be any of the steroid hormones. However, there is a hormone that is made of proteins that also shares the same characteristics of the steroids and that is thyroid hormone. A okay, thyroid hormone is a protein, however, it suffers some modifications in the Golgi apparatus that makes uh, these modifications make the hormone to be lipophilic, despite being made of amino acids. So, lipophilic hormones will enter directly through the cell membrane by diffusion. Cell membrane is made of fat, so it you are made of lipids too, you are gonna enter easily. Welcome here, okay, we are the same class. So they enter and they will bind to receptors that are inside the cells. In some cases, the receptors may be in the cytoplasm. In other cases, the receptor may be in the DNA itself, okay? So notice that some of them bind to cytoplasmic receptors. Some of them enter and bind to nuclear receptors. In any case, there is going to be the formation of a complex, hormone-receptor complex, and that will bind to the DNA and activate a gene there, okay? That gene is going to start the transcription, translation, and proteins are going to be made. Okay, there you have the same, but with the explanation, so you can read it later. And you have a lot of information in the notes. You want to make this more clear. Now, this is the pathway of the hydrophilic hormones, okay. All the peptidic hormones except thyroid hormone, okay, are going to bind to receptors on the cell surface. They are made of proteins, so they don't, they can't pass through this lipidic layer of the cell membranes. They need to knock at the door. They are not welcome there. They knock at the door. Someone goes to the door and says, what do you need? I need need you to activate this protein. Okay, okay, I will do that for you. And that other protein that is activated is called a second messenger, and that is the one that is gonna uh, do the actions of the hormones. Okay, so we have here the hormone binding to the receptor. There are different types. Some of them are called G protein couple. This is gonna activate another protein that is gonna do activate a cascade of other proteins that at the end will perform the actions of the hormones. And you have there the, other, the other description, okay, of this example that could be epinephrine, okay. This example here fits perfectly the actions of epinephrine. Okay? Now, let's take a look now at the cell response. What are the factors that affect how cells respond to a hormone? First of all, the hormone levels. Okay, the more hormone in the blood, the higher the response of the cells that have receptors for this hormone. Okay, however, if there is excess of a hormone, as if there is excess of any medication or any neurotransmitter in the brain, cells normally tend to defend themselves against this they don't like to be overstimulated. So they may down-regulate the receptors. And if the levels of the hormones are very low, they feel they are in need of something okay, to perform the things that they normally do. And they start upregulating regulating these receptors, so expressing a greater number of receptors on their surface. surface. Another mechanism is to increase the sensitivity of the receptors to the hormone. Okay, so for the same concentration of the hormone, there is gonna be more binding. If there is more attraction, more sensitivity. And then we have the interactions between different hormones. That is something that we are gonna be studying, okay? A lot of this in the future, how hormones act together Okay, or against each other, like counterbalancing each other. There are three types of effects that reflect the interactions between hormones. One of them is the permissive effect. For example, one hormone has to be present for the other one to act properly. And there are some examples. For example, for reproduction, for the development of the follicles in the ovary. It's not only the follicle-stimulating hormone acting there that's necessary. However, we need to have also thyroid hormone present. If thyroid hormone is not present, that's not gonna happen. Okay, thyroid hormone is also important for the action of epinephrine on the heart, for example. If someone may have a very high level of epinephrine in the circulation, but if there is no thyroid hormone, the heart, the sinoatrial node, is not going to have enough receptors okay, to, to, for, uh, to receive the action of epinephrine. Okay, so we could say that in this case, thyroid hormone increases the sensitivity of the heart to epinephrine. Another action of thyroid hormone is uh, permissive effect on growth hormone it is necessary for the action of growth hormone on the bones when kids are growing, that, that thyroid hormone is also present. That's why you're gonna see that the, every day we discover more and more and more actions of thyroid hormones, and for that reason, um, I was hearing the other day a podcast about internal medicine, and one of the doctors there was saying, I, would, uh, I think that in the future we should add TSH as one of the vital signs, hmm. because that thyroid horm- hormone is implicated in so many things, that is one of the first things I want to know about the patient. How is your thyroid working? Then we have the synergistic effect, okay, synergistic effect. Two hormones that have similar effects that produce an amplified response or two hormones required for an ad- adequate response. We have the example of FSH from the, from the pituitary and estrogens from the ovaries okay, that are required for, for the maturation of the egg cells and also for the sperm cells. Okay, we need both of them there. And then the classic antagonistic effect, we can mention insulin. Okay, and glucagon, as an example, they oppose each other, their actions. Okay, in fact, for, when, for example, someone has a hypoglycemia, okay, glucagon increases and it shuts off okay, the release of insulin. Okay, I need to increase glucose. I don't need anyone to taking the glucose back into the cells. So they oppose each other because we are going to be giving more examples as we advance in the physiology, so we understand this better. Now, let's take a look at the first of the structures, and probably one of the most important regulators of homeostasis in our body, the hypothalamus. Hypothalamus is a tiny, tiny, tiny nucleus in the brain, but has so many functions we discover every day more and more functions of the hypothalamus that we could be all of our life studying just what the hypothalamus does and trying to understand it okay from the endocrine point of view what we are going to be mentioning is the hormones that are produced by the hypothalamus and where they go what is the mechanism of action what they do okay the hypothalamus produces different releasing or inhibitory factors that we lack on other hormones. And the hypothalamus is connected to both lobes of the pituitary gland using different mechanisms, using different structures. Notice that here we have on the right side something that is like an extension of the hypothalamus. Okay, So it's nervous tissue. It's like a finger that goes down from the brain. No? So it's composed of neurons, nervous tissue. And we have, to the left, something that looks like this. Someone came and put it there. Okay, That is the anterior pituitary. That is not nervous tissue. It's glandular tissue. In fact, during the embryonic life, the anterior pituitary is made in the nasal cavity. Okay, And at some point during the embryonic development, This mass of cells migrates backwards from the nose and gets attached to the brain or to the posterior pituitary and has glandular tissue, cells that are very similar to the cells that we have in the nasal cavity. But instead of making mucus, they simply make hormones. Okay? But this is exactly the same tissue. The anterior pituitary is connected to the hypothalamus by blood vessels, using blood vessels specific blood vessels that form what we call a portal system. A portal system is a network of blood vessels in which the capillary network, instead of draining into the veins, they drain into another network of capillaries. Okay, when you study any circulation in the body, you're gonna have the arterioles, capillaries, venules, and the blood goes, goes into the veins. Okay, if we have two sets of capillaries okay, connected to each other, we call that a portal system. We have this one connecting the hypothalamus and the pituitary, and we have also the example in the liver, the portal circulation. So when the hypothalamus wants to control the release of hormones from the pituitary, a hormone is produced here, it goes to the blood, and from the blood here goes to the pituitary and acts there. So why do we need to know this? Because, for example, many people may feel tempted to, OK, Ian, why we don't make a blood test to detect the levels of corticotropic releasing hormone or tirotropic releasing hormone? And the reason we don't do that is because we are not going to find anything in the blood. At least something that is clinically significant. TRH, CRH, GnRH are produced here. They act here, and they are destroyed there. Okay? We're not going to find anything in the blood. At least that is significant from the clinical point of view. So if you want to assess, for example, the levels of TRH, and CRH, you have to put a needle, a catheter into the brain and go to something that is called the petrosal sinus, that is very close to the hypothalamus, to this area, and take the blood from there. And well, we are not gonna do that, okay? Put a needle in the petrosal sinus of a person, just, oh, let me see how your hormone is, okay? And what about the posterior pituitary? Well, <coughs> let me, make a drawing here. This is a neuron in the hypothalamus. This is the neuronal body with the nucleus. This is the axon. That is represented in the next slide, but I want to put it here. This is the axonal end. Okay, and this is going to work in exactly the same way as any other neuron. Neurotransmitters, for example, are made in the body of the neurons. There you have an endoplasmic reticulum that is huge. They are going to travel along the axon and they are going to be stored here in the axonal end. And they are going to be released when an action potential gets there and increases calcium and by exocytosis they are going to be released. That's the reason why we say the posterior pituitary hormones, oxytocin, ADH, are made in the hypothalamus, and they are stored in the posterior pituitary. They are made in the neuronal bodies, in this nuclei of the hypothalamus. They are gonna be stored in the axonal ends here, and when necessary, they are gonna be released into the blood, directly into the blood. That is different from the way the anterior pituitary works. The anterior pituitary hormones are made here, Stored there, and they are going to be released when the hypothalamus sends one of the hormones to stimulate or inhibit the release of them.
1: They're
0: made and stored through the anterior. Made and stored, yeah. And they are going to be released when the body needs, depending on, for example, the the menstrual cycle, okay, follicle-stimulating hormone at the beginning, then LH a lot, then, the rest of the hormones. Okay, so these are examples of hypothalamic hormones, corticotropic releasing hormone, thyrotropin releasing hormone, gonadotropin releasing hormone, growth hormone releasing hormone, somatostatin, prolactin releasing hormone, and dopamine. And let me make a stop here. Dopamine has another name and that name is prolactin inhibiting hormone that is a piece of information that is extremely important okay some people are taking medications for example antipsychotics okay that block the receptors for dopamine everywhere at least we haven't developed any dopamine receptor blocker that spares the receptors for dopamine in the pituitary gland. So, if we block the receptors for dopamine, dopamine that is supposed to inhibit prolactin is not gonna act, it's not gonna bind to the receptors, there is a drug there. So, the anterior pituitary is gonna feel free to release all the dopamine it makes. The brake is broken. So anterior pituitary makes prolactin. There is no one looking. It's going to release all the prolactin to the circulation. Prolactin levels are are going to go up. And we are going to see the effects of prolactin. In the case of women, we are going to see galactorrhea. In the case of men, we are not going to see galactorrhea. It's very rare that that happens. But we are going to see, in both cases, a decreased libido, infertility, erectile dysfunction, and some other things that we are going to be studying in the future. That is a very important piece of information that you are going to need a lot, okay, during, the, during your career. Here we have the anterior pituitary. Okay, there you have uh, the hormones, okay, that are produced. We are going to have some slides that show the, the actions. Okay, you have the description of the hypophysial portal veins. You have the anatomical references, super, uh, superior hypophysial artery. You have the first network of capillaries, hypophysial portal veins, and the network of capillaries in the anterior pituitary. and the veins that release the hormones into the circulation. Some people have a lesion, may have a lesion that damages the pituitary stock. Okay, we have a section here. Okay, we may see some different things. For example, if there is no release of stimulating hormones on the anterior pituitary, all of these hormones are going to go down. Thyroid hormone is going to go down, ACTH is gonna go down, LH, FSH are gonna decrease, but there is only one hormone that will increase, and that is prolactin, okay? So try to keep this information, not just to remember and list things, okay? Simply to make predictions on what we are gonna see in the patients depending on what structure is damaged. Because if we simply remove the pituitary, someone has a tumor, let me take it out all the hormones are going to go down. But if we simply section the pituitary stock, the pituitary is still there but has no connection with the hypothalamus, all of them are going to go down except prolactin. Okay, that's the way we make predictions and interpret the results of the lab tests or simply the clinical manifestations of the patients. Okay, Let's have a break. Let's have a break. It is uh, 8.51 let's uh, come back at 9.05 okay
1: back please let's go back to
0: okay so we were talking about a we were talking about the interaction between dopamine and prolactin something that is a topic that we are going to be going over probably several times and you're going to need a lot. Uh, And every day we discover more things about the interactions, actions of different compounds. Uh, Dopamine, for example, has many different actions. Depending on where it's acting in the brain, it's going to have different functions, different effects, and also depending on the combination of with other neurotransmitters. Uh, Another example of the interactions of hormones is uh, the one that occurs between progesterone and dopamine. Remember, progesterone is the hormone that is produced to maintain the pregnancy, to sustain the fetus during nine months. Progesterone has, uh, one of the actions of progesterone is to increase the levels of dopamine. So dopamine makes sure that no prolactin is produced during pregnancy. Okay, so at the end of pregnancy, when the placenta is removed, etc., the progesterone levels drop suddenly. What happens? Now we don't have the stimulation to produce dopamine. Dopamine levels go down suddenly, and the pituitary gland starts producing prolactin, 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 prolactin to stimulate breastfeeding, and also remember what I mentioned before, high levels of prolactin will inhibit ovulation, will inhibit uh, all of the ovarian cycle. So it could serve. I don't recommend this to anyone. Could serve as an contra as a contraceptive <laughs> method while the woman is breastfeeding.
1: Does dopamine um, lead to
0: pleasure or no? We could say is one of the factors. Okay, a, in neurology when something seems very simple, you can categorical, categorically say that's probably a bit more complicated than that. Okay, it's actually a, an interaction between levels of different things, different uh, neurotransmitters, and uh, the amount of neurons that are acting in different nuclei, different areas of the brain. Okay, uh, nowadays we, uh, thanks to the development of these uh, functional MRIs, we are still, we are understanding a bit more about the brain. Okay, it's not that. This area is for this, this area is for that, like, you have a, the bathroom is for this and the kitchen is for that. Okay, we love this classification and boxes and these things, but it's a bit more complex. Okay, dopamine can give you pleasure, but very short-lived pleasure. Okay, the one that is more associated with long-term pleasure or happiness or well-being is serotonin. Okay, what happens, dopamine has a good side that makes you feel well. It has a bad side that inhibits serotonin. It can give you instant pleasure, but in the long term it's not good because it inhibits the neurons that produce serotonin. Okay, so, but that's still uh, something that we have to know more about it. Now in this slide you have the, a lot of information, okay, about the hormones that are produced in the hypothalamus. Notice that on top you have ADH, Okay and oxytocin below you have the hypothalamic hormones that will stimulate <coughs> or inhibit other hormones from the pituitary gland okay for example there you have GnRH gonadotropic releasing hormone stimulating LH and FSH thyrotropin releasing hormone stimulating thyroid stimulating hormone TSH prolactin okay that is uh, inhibited by PIH, remember this is dopamine. And you have growth hormone that is inhibited by growth hormone inhibiting hormone. Okay, another name for growth hormone inhibiting hormone is somatostatin. State there, state. Somatostatin is a hormone that is produced in many tissues and the function is to inhibit everything else. For example, in the pancreas. Somatostatin inhibits all the other pancreatic hormones. Okay. Every time you see somatostatin, it's going to inhibit something. And what else? Corticotropin-releasing hormone stimulates ACTH, which is adrenocorticotropic hormone. And there you have the target organs and the effects, LH, FSH. Okay, notice that LH stimulates the production of hormones, while FSH stimulates the production of cells, sperm and eggs. Okay, those are the two actions. Then you have TSH, thyroid hormone, prolactin, production of milk, growth hormone. Growth hormone eh, will act on the liver, okay? In the liver, it will stimulate the production of insulin-like growth factor one, IGF-1, and that hormone is the one that will act on the tissues to make them grow, okay, it's an anabolic hormone. And you have ACTH from the adrenals that stimulates cortisol production that participates in the stress response. ADH participates in water balance regulation, antidiuretic, okay, antidiuretic has actions that will depend on the level of the hormone in the blood. Normally, if we are dehydrated, Uh, or if if we eat something that is very salty, salt increases in the blood, hypothalamus detects that and triggers ADH release a tiny bit. So the kidneys retain water to dilute the the, the salt. Okay, that's the action of ADH. However, if we are under stress, very important stress, can be because of infection, bleeding, hypotension, or stress, psychological stress, we are going to produce lots of ADH, lots. And that will produce vasoconstriction, okay? And that's why ADH is also known as vasopressing. and will increase the blood pressure, besides retaining fluids. That's why stress, one of the reasons, stress and hypertension and volume fluid retention are closely associated. Now, there is another hormone that participates in fluid, sodium, blood, ple- blood pressure regulation, okay. and that is aldosterone. Do you see aldosterone there mm-hmm. in that slide? In that slide, you see aldosterone? No. Why not? No. What comes before angiotensin? Renin. Okay, aldosterone is not regulated by the hypothalamus or pituitary. Okay, it doesn't belong into this axis. There is nothing like aldosterone releasing hormone, nothing like that. You have renin from the kidney. That is gonna be released when the sympathetic nervous system tells it so. Stress, epinephrine, juxtaglomerular cells, renin. Renin goes to the liver, angiotensinogen is cut to make angiotensin 1. Angiotensin 1 goes to the circulation in different places. Most importantly, the lung. Angiotensin converting enzyme cuts it a bit more to make angiotensin 2. Angiotensin 2 will have several actions. One of them is constriction of the blood vessels. The other is stimulation of aldosterone. And aldosterone will go to the kidney to retain salt and water, okay, salt and water. Then, what else? What type of um, effect mm-hmm. would angiotensis <coughs> be under? Because those are, would be, uh, in the anterior and
1: posterior territory, would be a commissive effect? The effect
0: of what? Which, which one exactly? Um,
1: I know that you said the, the reproductive
0: system, right? And the angiotensin? Mm-hmm.
1: Or am I not? not no, control. I don't see two hormones no. working
0: together. No, no, no for angiotensin, we'll that problem, No, you need to have two either acting or opposing each other. Right. Okay. Need two hormones, not one. Okay. What we have there is like a chain, mm-hmm. raining and the tensing, tensing and they are not acting together. It's like, would you tell the director to do this? Oh yeah, let me go there. Would you please tell the director that Professor Diana says? Oh yeah, I'll go there. We are not going together. There. Okay, if so one tells the other to do so, okay. it's a chain. Does someone else? someone else raising their
1: hand? No, no, I was just going to find what she was
0: saying. like oh, okay, okay. So this is a, represents the regulation of growth in our body. Okay, what I was mentioning before about uh, insulin growth factor one. Okay, growth hormone normally is produced by the anterior pituitary after stimulation with growth hormone releasing hormone. For this to happen, several factors need to be in our body to permit this. One of them is the blood sugar levels need to be low. Okay, and we should be sleeping. Okay, G uh, growth hormone releasing hormone is normally produced when we are sleeping, when melatonin levels are low, are elevated. Sorry, and blood sugar levels. Okay, And the action of growth hormone is going to be stimulate the liver to make insulin-like growth factor one, which is an anabolic hormone. This means that if uh, you have kids and you give them an ice cream before they go to sleep, they're not going to grow, they're not going to be very tall because high blood sugar levels during the night are not good for the action of growth hormone. Okay, what is the action of growth hormone? Okay, it has a glucose sparing effect. Stimulates adipose tissue cells to break down stored fat. Okay, fueling growth effect. So we break down fat to fuel the growing process. Okay, to make ATP from lipids, not from glucose has growth effects, okay, will increase the uptake of amino acids from the blood to make muscle, okay. For this reason, some people use growth hormone as an anabolic hormone to develop muscle mass. I never recommend that. Playing with hormones is not a good idea. The targets are bones, muscles, nervous system cells, immune system cells. Now, has a diabetogenic effect. Remember, promotes the use of lipids, not the use of glucose. Growth hormone stimulates the liver to break down glycogen into glucose, sending glucose into the blood. So increases the blood sugar levels. Okay, and the liver will produce a GF1 that is the more active participant in this, uh, a growth process that stimulates uh, growth plates in children for (coughs) increasing the linear growth. What inhibits growth hormone? Elevated IGF-1. You have the negative feedback, IGF-1 inhibiting the production of growth hormone. Growth hormone inhibiting hormone released uh, from the hypothalamus. This is somatostatin. Okay, these are the inhibiting factors. And on the right side, you have a diagram that shows this uh, negative feedback thing, okay? You have uh, hormones represented in green, and hormones in red. The red is the, are the, the neurons that produce somatostatin. The green ones are the neurons that produce the, the growth hormone releasing hormone. Growth hormone acts on different organs. In the muscle, for example, decreases the glucose uptake and increases the amino acid uptake and protein synthesis. Okay, in the bone, more or less the same and promotes the growth, DNA, RNA synthesis, collagen synthesis, everything necessary for for growth. In the adipose tissue, decreases the glucose uptake and increases breakdown of lipids that are going to be used as fuel, and notice the negative feedback of IGF-1 and growth hormone on the pituitary and on the hypothalamus. Okay, so excessive growth hormone equals diabetes, okay? And may produce acromegaly. So please don't play with hormones, don't recommend anyone to play with hormones. Um, so pretty
1: much the, the di- diabetogenic effect is just an increase in blood sugar due to the stimulation- Increases the-, the
0: resistance to to insulin, okay? And promotes uh, sugar spilling to the blood, okay? Now we have here the posterior pituitary. Okay, there you can see these axons that I was drawing before, how they extend into the lobe of the posterior pituitary. Also known, and this is, I think this was easier when I studied. This was called neurohypophysis. Neurohypophysis. Hypophysis, so hard to write this. Your hypothesis and the anterior is called adenohypophysis. Okay, mastering the medical te- terminology is essential, okay, for success, not only in school, also in, the, in practice. Remember, every profession shares a language. In lang- uh, when we have a language, we use terms that everybody agrees with what they mean, okay? When, when I say ice cream, everybody understands what, what I mean. I'm not talking about a chicken or something. Okay. Medical terminology, the language is important, adeno is a prefix that means gland. Every time you see adeno, we are talking about glandular tissue. It okay, can be sweat glands, can be mucus glands, that's why we have adenoids, they are made of glands. We have adenocarcinomas, cancers that originate from glandular tissue, okay? The adenohypophysis starts with A as anterior. So the anterior pituitary is made of glandular tissue. Okay, the neurohypophysis is made of nervous tissue. Now they release oxytocin or IADH, okay? That will be stored there. And will be released into the blood when necessary. Okay, we have here uh, a summary, a summary of the effects of these hormones. Okay, the chemical class of these hormones. Okay, notice that the uh, where is the thyroid hormone? Well, it's not uh, specified there, but remember thyroid hormones. Okay, are also lipophilic, okay They are made of peptides uh, amine, but they are lipophilic. you can make a note there because the steroids and the thyroid hormones are the ones that are lipophilic. The rest are hydrophilic, so they need to bind to extracellular receptors. Yes. Uh, I. Was wondering if- I would say at the same level when women are not breastfeeding. I don't have the exact information, but I think that. Remember, uh, it's very difficult to know something just by measuring the blood levels. Because oxytocin, the main action in men, occurs in the brain. So we don't know how much oxytocin men or women have in the brain by measuring the uh, the blood oxytocin levels very difficult. Okay. The only thing, if you make a research and you measure oxytocin, males, females, this study found that in blood, women have this and men have this, so there is a difference, there is no difference. But that doesn't tell you anything about what's going on in the brain. There is a blood-brain barrier, and that's why psychiatry is so difficult. Because if you act based on blood levels of something, yeah, yeah, I know this work, I can't actually get to any Conclusion. And let's say, my, but you have functional MRI, great. But I go and tell you, oh, I had hallucinations yesterday. Oh, let's do a functional MRI. You have to be on the functional MRI and have the hallucinations for, oh, I know what is going on. No? I know what area of the brain is the one that needs uh, treatment or is uh, working differently. It's, it's complicated. We can do biopsies of the brain that you can do on the skin. I have this little thing. Oh, let me biopsy that. Very easy. Okay, brain is a bit more complex. But yes, uh, the men have oxytocin and uh, it starts to uh, be important for bonding. Okay, bonding with other persons, okay, with family, friends, etc. And it's going to be produced. Uh, when we like someone, we don't know why. Something happens, maybe smell, maybe something, that stimulates oxytocin production, so we feel more attracted to some people or to other people, have bonds, bondings with some people and not with others. There are very interesting studies that, out there, okay, of experiments that they have done by removing, or by, by injecting oxytocin in animals and seeing what happens, Or blocking oxytocin and see the lack of bonding, total lack of bonding between mothers and kids, okay, because simply inhibiting or blocking the action of oxytocin. So we have here some slides. Uh, Let me use this moment to recommend you. This great resource, okay, that is Calgary Guides. You have the name there, I think. Yeah, the name is here calgaryguide.com. That is a website from Calgary University. I think it's in Canada. There are hundreds of slides like this that explain physiology and pathophysiology. Okay, these slides were made by students, supervised by the professors, and they are very, very, very good. Okay, and you are able to see the relationship, the connections between different things. Okay, you have there the feedback loop that regulates dopamine, uh, prolactin, sorry. Notice that you have there dopamine from the hypothalamus inhibiting prolactin release, that, that's the normal action. And, the, and there you have the actions of prolactin. What it does, milk production. Okay, in this case for the ejection of milk we need the action of oxytocin that will produce the contraction of myoepithelial cells in the alveolar in the alveoli in the, in the breasts and then you have the action of the, in the on the immune system promotes maturation of immune cells you have the action of in, on the limbic system reducing the libido so when prolactin is elevated the libido goes down and on the hypothalamus, decreases production of GnRH. So will decrease FSH-LH, leading to low testosterone, low estradiol. So anovulation, okay, decrease sexual function in general. And, well, the negative feedback is simply uh, prolactin, notice that will stimulate the production of dopamine. And the low estradiol, low testosterone will stimulate dopamine production, okay, to inhibit uh, prolactin, so trying to stop this process. And here we have another, that is the one for thyroid stimulating hormone. That is probably one that you are more familiar with. Okay, you have the release of TRH from the hypothalamus, hypophysial vessels to the anterior pituitary where TSH is released, goes through the, in the bloodstream to the thyroid gland follicles to produce T4 and T3. The thyroid gland will produce like 90% of T4, which is inactive or very, has a very weak activity, and a very little amount of T4 that is, uh, T3 four T that Sorry, is very active metabolically. T3 and T4 will inhibit. TSH and, and, and TRH, okay, and notice that after T3 and T4 are produced, T4 is going to be converted to T3 inside the cells, okay. Let's say we are cells, all of us are cells, okay, and no one needs to do anything except I have to do something. I have to do an action and I need ATP. I need to stimulate my metabolism. Thyroid gland produces T4. Since you don't need to do anything, you are gonna, okay, look at T4 there, nice. Since I need to work, I will take T4 and I will take an iodine from T4 and I'm gonna convert it to T3 and I'm gonna use it. Okay, so if we find a lot of T4 in the blood, That doesn't mean that all the cells of the body are working. Only the cells that convert the T4 into T3 are gonna be acting metabolically speaking. So, conversion to T3. T3 is gonna increase the basal metabolic rate. Okay, and there you have more actions of T3. Okay, in the heart, for example, increases the cardiac output, contractility, Increases hormone metabolism, bilirubin metabolism, bone growth, there you have the interaction between thyroid hormone and insulin-like growth factor. Sympathetic nervous system activation, temperature homeostasis. Okay, and there you have something that's gonna be used in pathophysiology that we are not gonna study now. Okay? Now, notice that thyroid-releasing hormone may be stimulated by cold, we need to produce heat, and cortisol. Stress, cortisol, thyroid-releasing hormone, thyroid hormone, heart rate, blood pressure. Besides this, we are gonna have the actions of ADH, volume retention. Sympathetic nervous system, renin, uh, angiotensin, aldosterone, epinephrine—all of these things increasing. So you start understanding the stress response and the consequences of sustained and chronic stress. Okay, and how many things are acting there together? Was any
1: question? Yeah?
0: The iodine can T4, to T4 Iodine? Yeah. No, there is an enzyme that is called d T4 means an amino acid with four iodines. Oh, okay. Goes into the cells, there is an enzyme called d that converts to T3, OK? Except if you're dieting, if you try to lose weight, they say normally This is T4, normally when you need to increase the basal metabolic rate, the diiodinase does this, right? If you are doing a diet, we have another diiodinase that takes this one, and that doesn't work. What happens, I'm doing the the diet very well, I'm not losing weight. You can trick your body, it's gonna defend itself. Then we have ACTH, ACTH, uh, it's produced by the anterior pituitary, stimulated by CRH, corticotropin releasing hormone, okay, that's uh, going gonna, gonna to go into the circulation to stimulate the adrenal cortex. Okay, this uh, activates the production of cortisol, okay, and cortisol is one of the most important hormones for the stress response that we have the excess and deficiency that is for for pathophysiology. Until we're not gonna be studying this now. Cortisol will inhibit ACTH and will inhibit CRH. Now, notice that ACTH is made from a big protein. Let's say we produce this huge protein that is called POM, POMC stands for, and you can look for it, I think it's here, proopio melanocortin. Okay, every time we are under stress, the POMC is produced and will be cut down, will be broken in several pieces. One of them is ACTH, the other is melanocytic stimulating hormone, and the other is endorphins. Proopio opiate. Endorphin, melano, melanocytic stimulating hormone, cortin, ACTH. See, if you understand the terminology, you have all the information, you need almost all the information. Then we have the, uh, this is the growth hormone, we already mentioned something about this. What I wanted to insist is in this. What stimulates growth, stress, sleep, exercise, fasting, low blood glucose, deep uh, deep sleep amino acids. What inhibits growth, increased blood sugar levels, obesity, hypothyroidism. Okay, this is the only new thing that appears in this slide. Start keeping that in mind. We are going to be using these things a lot in the future. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a
0: correlation with the obesity that's going on right now with kids that are probably not growing? Not growing as they should be. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so We have just some few minutes there and I don't want to overwhelm you, oh no, no, I click update. No. No. So we are going to leave this for the next encounter. Okay, we are planning to make a quiz on Friday. Okay, the quiz will include 10 questions of anatomy, 10 questions of physiology, okay? No. And will include everything up to now, Tomorrow's okay? Friday? What? Oh, but like practice online or? No, no, a quiz quiz. A quiz quiz, no. <laughs> <laughs> the, Tomorrow
1: Friday?
0: Yeah. Tomorrow's Friday? Yeah. Tomorrow's Friday? We,
1: Tomorrow's yeah. Friday. <laughs> 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 We need
0: to do quizzes at some point. Yeah. Sure. Well, I I agree, I saw it on the syllabus, but I
1: asked professor Santos and she told me no quizzes, and since she mm-hmm. said She well, can say, she can go against go the syllabus.
0: No one can go against the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> no one can go the law.
1: <laughs> In person, no, no, no.
0: We do the quizzes, it's uh, going to be at home. Oh. Oh.
1: Okay.
0: The quiz is going to have at least four, well, I have, to, I have to go back to you because uh, Professor Santos hasn't sent me the, the questions yet. And, um, another option would be, but Monday? When is the exam? Oh, next week is week seven. Oh no! So we can do it next week. Okay, Okay. we can do it next
1: week. (laughs) (laughs) Huh?
0: No, it's going to include only. Pay attention, please, so you start preparing. Okay. I understand that you are studying many things here, and you have to prioritize. Okay, I need all this. I need to pass all this to become a PA. I need to successfully pass all this. But remember, give priority to the things that are going to be more useful in the future. Okay, I started medicine, I did a family medicine residency, and every time I see an x-ray, I ask someone else, okay, will you take a look, please? I don't know if I missed something here. Okay, our radiology,
1: okay,
0: <laughs> use things that will be helpful to understand everything else. Okay, when you start working, no, it's not to uh, give, uh, take importance out of things, but you're not going to be like this. You need to know. Okay, if you see an x you need to oh, this is the humor, this is this. Or let me see if this is there is any pneumothorax, if there is any pneumothorax, something obvious. Okay, but most of the time you're going to have to ask someone else, or you will have a report that is amazing. Okay. <laughs> Physiology is the first step, okay, on where you build clinical medicine, pathophysiology, pharmacology, and everything else, okay? So when you distribute the time that you are gonna dedicate, it's like when you're investing. If you have $100 to invest, and you have a very well-known company, and a new starter, you're gonna put $5. It's the same. Okay. So, any questions? Any other questions?
1: So, just to confirm so we have a practice
0: quiz that's open. Yeah, the to be practice now. quiz is open. Uh, the, the real quiz is going to be next week. We have to decide the, the date, and I have to have the questions to put together. Uh, the physiology part. Ten questions means there are going to be two questions about the first part that we covered in the example, okay? And the eight questions remaining, four questions autonomic nervous system, four questions endocrinology, okay? So, action potential, two questions, four endocrinology, four autonomic nervous system, okay? However, everything is everything, okay? And I demonstrated this yesterday. I was teaching trauma, musculoskeletal trauma, and of the quiz, the exam, what is going to be in the exam? And I put some questions on, uh, to give examples. And there was a question. Patient that goes into the ER and after a, after a crash injury, patient was trapped during three hours under something, crushing a leg or something like that. And this is the EKG. Which of the following is the, the best treatment in this case? Oh my goodness, this is trauma. But he's asking me that to interpret an EKG and infer or deduct the, the, the what is the abnormality and then treat the abnormality. So what is this question? Is cardiology, is EKG, is pharmacology, is, it, is clinical medicine or is trauma? Musculoskeletal trauma, it's healthy. Okay, and simply was, there was a hyperkalemia. Okay, you have a crash injury, cells break down, potassium goes to the blood. Hyperkalemia, pick two waves in the EKG. And you have to give calcium gluconate to prevent everything. That was the question. You pu- you can put that question in cardiology, in pharmacology, in medicine, in orthopedic trauma, in anything that you want, okay? Because you need everything to, to understand and put together everything. I
1: just confirm the quiz. That's to be done at home. <laughs> no, no, no. It were tomorrow.
0: I was thinking putting need for tomorrow at home. Right, 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 that's fine. You don't have time just adding out all these
1: things. <laughs> 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 all <laughs> the
0: endocrinology and autonomy of the system. No, and I I don't have the I don't have any questions. We are gonna tell you when so yeah. if, so But the practice um, quiz is, yeah. So
1: considering that if next week it would be in person or
0: at home. Yeah. Depending on the schedule.
1: Yeah, I'm because at the in person,
0: time. in person means we can take a, a, a lecture time for that because it would take like forty minutes or more. It would take an entire hour to make it in person.
1: Yeah.
0: In person means getting a room, getting a tractor, having a space available on the schedule that yeah. the tractor is available. So, and,
1: so is a lot. Okay, You have to decide.
0: Okay, Well, will see you.
1: Next week, right? Yeah. Enjoy the long weekend and study a lot. We're going to find out now. Thank you, Professor Diana. Yeah. Sorry about the inconveniences today. No. This is nothing.